0: episode 1253 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, February 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, it's February and the hot stove just percolated back up. How you doing?
1: You know what? They were just waiting for TGFBI to get rolling. That's right. So that way they're like, oh, now everybody's paying attention to baseball. Let's actually do stuff here.
0: It's huge. And listen, I don't want to take too much credit, but Ben Clemens and I made this happen yeah we just did Mm -hmm. we did uh did no tp stream yesterday and we were going over some cards of like uh, prospect types talking heston Kierstead and the depth of the orioles system and i was saying like you know everyone's on the reds for not making a move. And as I've said on this show before, I don't really think that they have to, um, you know, Jonathan India is not going to answer their pitching problems. The team that really should be making a move that's sitting on their hands too much is Baltimore. And Ben was in the chat and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty aggro on them. Like that. They're making a bad move by not, you know, shoring up their rotation for some of this prospect capital that they have. And literally seven hours later, the giant Corbin Burns trade happens and Ben and I were texting each other, we made it happen. The the Orioles must have been in the stream. So obviously that's going to be front and center about what we're going to talk about here. We actually have a decent bit of news. We'll get into shortstops. Of course, the Friday episodes are a little bit shorter uh, because you have the heart out for work and we weren't able to record yesterday. Uh, Char had a seizure. For those of you that listen regularly, you know that she deals with them with a modicum of frequency, kind of like one every six weeks ish and it kind of happened like right before we were about to record and even though i know she's gonna be okay it just I, I like to monitor her all the way back until she's normal and so we punted yesterday but hey honestly it's fine because we end up with a bunch of news today and um, and we can get into shortstops a bit and then really deep dive them on monday so let's start with the news because not only burns but we have three other solid moves that have some fantasy impact Obviously, this is the biggest, though. Corbin Burns to Baltimore. Then, of course, once you see that come through, who are they going to get? What's going on? Now, I'm always bad at these because the names I was throwing. When you think, when you see what they got versus what I was throwing around, it shows why I'm not great at predicting these trades. But when you first saw it, what were you thinking Milwaukee was going to get? Did you have a, a speculation or did you see the names right away? Because I, I was there right when it broke to where I could speculate on the names before we knew who yeah. it was. Yeah, I, I was too. I, I, I saw oh, yeah, it. Really you, you actually told me. I don't know. Yeah. What oh, am okay. I saying? You, yeah, yeah. You, I, yeah. I, you broke it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought it would be like a Colton
1: Cowser kind of headline deal yep. Um. with maybe like I felt like a Cowser Hall Uh, Ortiz type of deal. Like, I I thought it would be similar to this, but with Kowser at the top. Yeah. Uh, I was really, really surprised when it was just Hall and Ortiz. Um, but as many people pointed out, Gordon Burns is a rental. He's, you know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, and the market has not necessarily been very strong for trade pieces. I think it's the reason why, uh, Dylan Cease hasn't been moved. We saw, like you know, a, a yeah, video topless. yesterday, yeah, of uh, AA getting asked or being told, like, "Go get Cease." And was like, "I tried." They want too much. Like, you like know. the price
0: is crazy. Now, like, it's hard not to think that this won't have an impact on the potential Cease price and kind of bring Chicago into, you know, the realm of of whatever realism. I don't know. Um, doesn't mean they have to deal him. And of course, there's two years with Cease too, so they can get a bigger deal than this. Uh, but yeah, I, I was even higher than you. I don't even want to say what I thought it might be, because now that I look back on, it, I'm like I'm an idiot. I also didn't know exactly where the guys ranked, but I was like, I, I was like, oh, can this be Kowser and Mayo? And that's obviously way too much. Could've been one of those two. But honestly, I really do like this return. and we were discussing it on our group chat, Me, you, Eno, and Jason. and you know, you mentioned that you thought it was a little bit light, but then once you kind of step back and look at it, like a legit bankable shortstop, Which is not easy to find, and a super live arm that has starter potential, reliever likelihood, I think, at this point. I'm not super uh, bullish on DL Hall starting, but they have a real chance to give them a shot. They should at least see that through. That is a good return for one year of Burns, even somebody as good as Burns. I think the reason that it might feel like a fleecing, you know, I'm seeing the Orioles fleece them, all that sort of talk. No, they didn't, for one. But also for two, the reason it might feel like it is because their 2024 team feels zero impact from this because of their depth, not because Ortiz and Hall suck, but because Ortiz was like 40th on their list of middle infielders and Hall was not somebody that they were relying on outside of the bullpen. So that's why it feels like that. But I, you know, I think Milwaukee knows what they're doing. I think this is actually a pretty solid return once I kind of really digested it. And, um, you know, win-win deal. I think one of the problems that I, I have sometimes with the with the hot take sports culture is we're always looking for a winner and a loser. And sometimes things are just win-win or even, or even lose-lose. I don't think there's always a definitive winner. I think the Orioles got to feel great about getting their ace. And I think if you're Milwaukee, you should feel pretty good about getting a, a legit middle infielder and a nice live arm here. So I, I thought it was a pretty solid deal both ways. You don't seem to agree. I think you yeah, think that I Milwaukee don't. got cooked. I, I don't know where it comes from, <laughs> though. This is a top sixty prospect and a huge arm. What were you I mean, like what do you think that they were supposed to get?
1: I just feel like they should have got either one more piece or one. Well they, of they got these the pieces. pick too,
0: pick thirty four. Yeah, yeah. That's something. That's, I I mean, that's, that is something. Um, might as well be another prospect.
1: I would have liked this deal a lot more if it was Kowser hall the pick. Um, I I feel like that was the fair return. Isn't a Uh, middle
0: infielder better than a corner outfielder, though? I mean, it's just a better prospect. Um, And obviously, they weren't going to
1: give up Holiday in this deal. No, Um, no. There's never going to be that high. That's, you know, like... Gunner, Holiday, none of that shit. Unless, like, you know... Corbemer's had like five years of control or something like that. Exactly. Like that's, yeah. that's how you get a a guy like uh holiday. Um I don't know, it just feels light. Uh and especially because I don't know that any of these guys have impact for Milwaukee. Well, I I should I, I think Ortiz will. Um he should be their all,
0: third baseman right now.
1: He probably should. Yeah, in a
0: stereo. Yeah. Um, I mean we've already penciled him in on roster resource at, at third. Oh, I, I, I don't see why we want it. And then you guys and I were talking, uh, we were talking about Adamas potentially being moved Yeah, because, you know, and then, you,
1: then you can move Terang over to shortstop. You could put, uh, uh, Ortiz at second and then Tyler, uh, Tyler black at third base and all of a sudden you have a really young infield with mm-hmm. some, uh, some upcoming potential.
0: And then who knows what you get back from Adamas <laughs> Yeah, too, that could be part. So, you know, again, I really do. You know, you look at the top 100 that came out from MLB. Ours isn't out yet, so we'll use theirs. 63rd ranked prospect, a a top 40 pick, and a big arm, a lefty arm too. I I really do think that's a fair return. I I, I think this is a win-win deal. I like it. Um, Ortiz's fantasy prospects. We are deep leaguers, you and I. Mm-hmm. So I think he is on the radar for us. You know, if you're in a D.C. right now and if you're at a particular point in the draft, he's definitely getting scooped up. Right. I think that actually mm-hmm. just happened. Uh, I'm in a speaker's uh, AFL draft and I think Jeff Erickson jumped right on him, you know, like because it was kind of that perfect timing. So we know he's going to start to go in drafts. Um, where are you taking Ortiz if, if you are? Um, It was was Ray Murphy, excuse me. But it was uh, round 32, by the way. Yes, he was about right. Uh,
1: So round 32, we're talking about pick 500. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that area, you can get Javier Baez, um, Michael Uh -uh. Massey. ODS had
0: gone... um... Uh, we're going to talk about this in a second, but I don't think Urias has got a job anymore. So, um, Luis, sorry.
1: Excuse me. Yes. Yes. I, I, I understood. Oh,
0: that. oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were saying Ramon. Cause we we're talking Baltimore. I was like, wait a minute. Oh no, no. Because we're going to talk about pull on the pull. Yeah. 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 Right? I, I was like, so, why, why would Ramon be hurt by this? But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, I, I think that's a fair yeah. price point, by the way, something in the yeah. mid, mid to high fours, low. five mean, hundred. the
1: McKinstry area. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think at this point you should be bumping Ortiz above McKinstry because while McKinstry is uh, quadruple eligible, like, where's he playing? Um, So, like, I think, and I'll probably update my projection on Ortiz at some point today uh, because I think you've got to give him more than 400 play appearances now. Yeah. So uh that will bump him up my ranks, my ranks over on FanGraphs will change finally because I have second base uh ranks over there. Mm -hmm. Um But yeah, I mean I you know, like I don't look at Ortiz as like a huge difference maker for fantasy. Sure. Um but he can be an accumulator. But in order to accumulate you need the playing time and uh this is great for his overall value because like you said, he should play. Like he should be kind of the everyday guy at third at the Somewhere. moment. And yeah. if they move, uh, if they move Adames, then he's definitely getting five play appearances.
0: I agree with that. All right, let's talk big dog now. Um, Corbin Burns going to Baltimore. You know, obviously, when you're an ace, um, your outlook isn't going to change too much because you're still an ace. But his win potential definitely goes up. It's a more difficult division. I'm not really moved by that in terms of you know, canceling out the win potential, this will this will boost up uh, Burns for me, even if it is only a couple spots because he's already, um, you know, ranked pretty high. You know, I've got Strider Cole Burns. I guess actually he's not going to move up for me because he's not going to move above Cole. But I think people that might have had him five six seven range should maybe move him up to where i already had him so i guess what i'm saying is i'm already a genius and i had i pre this i yeah. knew he was going to be three this was yeah but what, what do you think on burns what where what are your top five starters looking like is he in it and if he wasn't already is he joining it now for burns
1: he was already three for me so um like this doesn't this this doesn't change where he's ranked it, it does his overall right yeah it does change where i'm willing to take him yeah um uh and i felt like burns had been going too low anyway, mm-hmm. but now we're we're moving away from him being like a mid second round pick um or even a late second round pick in a lot of drafts uh to like his min right now i believe is 19. that's probably gonna need to move to 15. Yeah, um, especially as we he get to the writer. March. Yeah, especially when we get to the March drafts, uh, this is a fantastic move for Corbin Burns. You know, he's going to go to a team that definitely wants to compete. They're going to win a lot of games. They just won, you know, the ALEs uh, and a park that will protect the hell out of him. Um, yep. So uh, I, mean, I think it was Todd Zola, like he posted his before and after projections, and it dropped his uh, Corbin Burns' ERA. From like three twenty-seven to three ten, um you know, maybe that's all, a that's few strikeouts. Homers. Yeah, because and, go ahead. I'm sorry, and I would say can give him a you know
0: three more wins. Like yeah, that's just a massive move. It really is, and you know the the. I don't even want to say flaw because a 1.0 homer nine is not bad, but that's been kind of the thing uh, the last couple of years for Burns that was different from the 2021 season when he had a 0.4 homer nine. Now that was never going to sustain because that came with a 6% homer to fly ball and he's bounced back up to uh, 13% the last two years. But now you can reasonably put that closer to like the league average of 9 10% bring the home run rate below one because of that ballpark. And Burns, of course, is a righty. So against right-handers, they're going to have a harder time hitting those homers. So yeah, I think this is definitely a boost for him. It doesn't boost him within the SP ranks because we both already have him three. But in terms of overall, he is now a late first rounder for me as well. Very excited about Burns. I will say I was on your train where I thought he was going a little late uh, as is. And so in a way, I'm kind of bummed because... Now we're not getting that little discount. But again, I will still take him. I'll gladly take him on the elbow, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at the turn 15, 16. Give me burns and a big hitter, and I'm feeling great. So great move there. I think it's win win. And the deal, Hall. Um, they should give him a starting opportunity. Are you taking him in 50s uh, draft and hold?
1: Uh, I think so. Um, like, not necessarily a guy I'm like massively targeting, but I, I mean, I don't. I do think they're going to give him an opportunity to start. Like I don't know how well it's going to work. Yeah. So uh, he should I think at least he,
0: become their next hater, though.
1: Oh, I think that is exactly we could who could come
0: um, if they were to move Devin Williams. That's, that I was going to bring that up because that yeah. rumor started floating before the Adamas mm. one. Right after the Burns deal, I saw. I can't remember if it was one of the national guys, maybe Rosie or or Passon, saying that maybe they were in some Devin Williams talks. Then how would you feel about? do you think he could be, be the guy this year or is that more of a long term thing i still think it's a little bit
1: more of a long term thing i think it depends like largely on how much they trust the rest of that back end of that bullpen you know like it took devin williams uh you know like a, a while to get <laughs> get that job yep. um, now obviously they had hater so like they didn't need to give him that job but you know cheap teams are just cheap And if they're shedding salary, or do they want to give DL Hall like a better arbitration number?
0: Yeah. Because you get paid on, for those that don't know, you get paid on saves, which is saves and wins and all the stupid
1: things. All the like
0: old baseball card shit. It's so dumb, dude. Like bad average. But yeah. uh, uh, Pie pomps,
1: like he's a guy that like.
0: He had a big um, season.
1: He could be kind of the next guy up. So like. Honestly, if, if I'm looking like oh maybe they move Williams, like I'm probably not taking Hall is the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Next up,
0: um, I'm probably you know, Ty Bombs, McGill, um, Don't someone sleep like on that. Abner Uribe. Dude throws a hundred without yeah. breaking a sweat. He does. He did have a sixteen percent walk rate. So the obvious flaw there is that Abner Uribe needs to find the zone a bit more. But his upside is rich. Bottom line, again though, that's a, a young guy. I don't know that they want to pump up sure. his value. So. I mean, you got to put somebody in there though. by uh, yeah, him thirty. So yeah, yeah, they, they, 30, they could put whatever. one of those guys. Yeah, I do like Abner Uribe though. His upside, I think, is rich. DL Hall. He and DL Hall could be their next Dev. Hater, but that might be a 2025 situation. Yeah. So if you're playing Dynasty, I don't really like to invest long term in relievers, but Me you got to have a full roster anyway. So if, if Abner Uribe uh, or DL Hall is available, you might look at one of those two. All right, let's talk Justin Turner going to Toronto here. Now, you had mentioned some concern about maybe a lefty going there. I think you had been using some generic lefty bat names like. Belt returning or Uh or Joey Votto. It's not one of those two, but it's the same vibe, right? A DH only. uh, I mean, he can stand at first and give Vladdy a day off, but then Vladdy just DHs, so it doesn't really change anything. Uh, it's a right-handed version of exactly what you were saying, and this was regards to Dan, Jan, and Kirk during our catcher preview that you were worried that one of them might get undercut by a move like this because now they can't really DH the other catcher all that often. Uh, let's Before we talk about the uh, fallout for one of the catchers, what do you think of Justin Turner to Toronto, to Toronto just straight up?
1: yeah i mean this is exactly what i was talking about and, yep. I, and i literally tweeted as soon as the move got uh done i was like i literally just said like d- like as long as they don't bring someone in to screw these guys you knew it um uh but they did uh i, mean, I love this for justin turner and Absolutely. i love this for the blue jays um you know from a fantasy catcher perspective i hate this but turner when he's on the field, is a fantastic player. Um, they also, have, the Blue Jays also have a hole at second base. So while I expect Turner to play most of his games at the age, uh, they can play Turner at second um, and kind of, or you know, or maybe even let him play there full time.
0: Uh, yeah, this is you think game. they'd let him get back over at second? I don't think he's played there for a minute. He
1: played ten games there last season.
0: He did. He's we eligible at that.
1: second base. Justin Turner? Yeah, we do on top of his player page.
0: Looking at it right now. On um, Fangraphs, we go go down to his fielding. Under oh, I, inside never, I, edge.
1: I, I, I just look at the quick look. Yeah, I see it up. now
0: under advanced fielding, but for some reason, inside edge fielding, which was what I had scrolled down to, has him mm-hmm. last playing second base, Justin Turner, in 2015. I move up to the advanced fielding tab, and now I'm seeing it, 49 innings yeah. there. Um, that'd be interesting. That would, I mean, you know, I'm not really bought in on Davis Schneider, so I think that there I'm is some either. plausibility to it. But how much are you going to have 39-year-old Justin Turner out there at second base?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be out there much. Like, I think I think you look at, like, what he did last year in Boston, where he, you know, had 98 games at DH and 10 games at second, 41 games at first. Like, i think you could see a version of that without the games of first right where he just he plays mostly at the age plays a few games at second base and uh and that's kind of all she wrote but like i mean i i know the the, the park isn't great necessarily for turner but man being that's in this lineup and playing every day on this good of a team like yeah i think i'm Justin Turner is about
0: to have a massive season. Another one, you mean? Yeah. Because he was excellent last year. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought his average might go up in Boston at at the expense of some pop. I had it totally wrong. His average stayed damn near the same. In fact, he was two points away from a third straight 278. Come on, man, you got to pull Chris Davis. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he he added 10 bombs. He popped 23. Um, So, yeah, Justin Turner, I mean, he's one of these guys that, like, don't get too hung up on the age. I think the price covers the age risk because at 39, of course, there's risk. And he's had health concerns, too. But he's a guy I just I, I, I get over my ageism and I still draft every year because I'm going down with that shit. So yeah. if he busts this year, it'll be on a couple of my teams because I, I don't care. He's treated me well enough that I trust Justin Turner. So I love what he's able to do. I think it's a solid move. Agree that it hurts the catchers. Who do you think it hurts more between those two? between kirk and, and danny jansen we have kirk penciled in as of the starter but i don't actually know no, don't how they're breaking it down
1: um uh, i mean i would assume that uh this hurts kirk more than it hurts jansen i mean i i understand like kirk's bat is i don't want to say it's better honestly i, I think it's i think it's very similar to danny jansen's in terms of impact for their team um but Chance is so much better behind the plate. Like, and so you got to think they give him
0: the edge. Well, well better than better than you might believe. He recently, is, but frame numbers markedly better the last two years. Just saying. Yeah, uh, he has. I, I kind of see him as like the fire hydrant back there that isn't that good at catching. I'm, I'm covering my own biases here. And then I finally looked it up when I was doing the catcher rankings, and I was like, better defense than I thought. I generally have Dan Jan is a better guy too, but the data says Kirk's right there. Um, I think it just hurts both of
1: them. Like that to be quite honest, like I think this is, you know, I think you got to cut play appearances off both guys, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, again, like I, I understand why Toronto makes this move and obviously an injury to somebody, uh, especially someone like either Danny Jansen or, uh, or Justin Turner, like makes this a lot easier to figure out. But ultimately, yeah, I think this hurts both of them fairly equally. And uh, just a bummer. I've already drafted both. Of yep. I drafted all three of these guys. Uh, but I so. will say
0: both Jansen and Kirk's prices have been fine. They're fine. Yeah. So I don't if think this lowers them a little bit. Sign yeah, me up more. Exactly. So I, I agree that it stings, but I will buy the dip because I already like their price point. Knowing that a belt, Votto. We were thinking lefties, but it ends up being a righty. Turner ends up being the guy. I'm fine with it. So I'm still yeah. in on all three. Um, all right, let's move out to the Seattle trade. This was, a, this was one that we were kind of expecting. I think we had talked at the second base preview um, with regards to Jorge Polanco that they could trade him. Now it was getting late and you know, you don't usually expect as many trades in in February or late January as it were, but it, it did get done. They were able to get the Polanco deal done. We knew that they kind of wanted to move him. He's a slug at second base, not that good. He can hit. He's a good hitter, but they had, bigger needs. He wasn't a great fit for Minnesota at this point. So they get him dealt out to Seattle uh, for Anthony Descafani, Justin Topa, and I believe a prospect or two, but really Descafani is, is the fantasy relevant piece here. Uh, and Polanco obviously more so. So let's talk about Polanco with the Mariners first and foremost. You mentioned that this is actually going to sting Luis Urias, and unfortunately I agree with that. Uh, your clown-ass buddy, Josh Rojas, should be, yeah. should, should be the one that he's gets gonna hurt, on the strong he's side. He's going to be the strong Wrong side with Erdias, unfortunately. I'm I'm an Erdias fan, so I I am kind of bummed by this, but I get it. You know, Polanco, still a good hitter. They are going to put him at second base in Seattle. How do you like Polanco going Minnesota to to Seattle with a more firm guaranteed PT?
1: I don't know why I didn't see this coming Um, because it made too much sense, right? Like Seattle had this kind of like team where it's like, man, this looks really good, except for this one spot at second base, which does not look so good. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, this makes perfect sense. I think this is one of those kind of win-win deals Minnesota needed to get rid of Polanco. Uh, You know, they add to their pitching depth, that way Flouy Varland does struggle again. Like, Mm -hmm. Descovani can kind of come up and be that five. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it made a lot of sense for both teams. I love it for Polanco because... I really felt like he was going to struggle to find playing time. They re- yeah. are really high on Edward Julian, um, as am I. As they uh, should be. Yep. We both share that outlook. And uh, now they kind of get rid of Polanco, and Polanco can get full playing time in Seattle as long as Southie. Uh, I don't think this busts Polanco up too much. Agreed. Because that's a big if. The, his- the, the health history has not been great, especially in recent seasons. Um, But yeah, I mean, at least he's getting full-time playing time. So it makes me a little bit more interested to, uh, to jump on Polanco.
0: Yep, and, and that's part of what made him a tough fit there, was they just have so many of these injury guys up the middle that they can't rely on, and he doesn't bring great defense in the first place Yeah. Um. so, you know, you've got these guys that have health concerns, plus you acknowledge Julian, who, again, we both love saw him at the Fall League, and he had a nice little debut this past year so it just made too much sense, solid win-win don't sleep on the Topa deal, he's not going to close or anything, but he strengthens that bullpen which has yep. now become really, really strong, and, you know, a, a small boost to all of the rotation that the bullpen gets better because Disco is going to be in there as well. So mm-hmm. adding two nice pieces there and then Disco, like you said, is the six in case Varland or Paddock or even Ober, who I know you're not as keen on. I love Ober. I think he's genius, no, But it, it, I don't like you and I, and you uh, said he's the worst pitcher you've ever seen, and you called me an asshole, which I thought was completely out of pocket to call me an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I no, that text. that is the in pocket part. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that makes sense. Nobody that, yeah. would disagree with that.
1: No, like I wasn't, I wasn't saying that. Like uh, I dislike Bailey over. I quite the opposite. I like Bailey over. Um, I just, I think some people are like really, really high on Ober. And we were talking about Ober and versus Mitch Keller. Correct. Um that's right. That's and, right. And really my slander was more about because what I said was I don't know I don't really understand why people really love both these guys. Yeah. Um and you got very upset about the Ober part of it. And I was really
0: referencing more of people like Mitch Keller's an Ace. So like And you did split. make that clear. You yeah. said that this is more against keller but i do have some concerns about Ober. yeah maybe me the old high, how dare
1: you the high fly ball rate just you know and, and potential homer problems scare me with over um That's fair. but like i think Ober's skills are fantastic like and he doesn't walk guys so like when he does give up home runs just solo shots uh and through 140 often. yeah 144 innings last year which means okay maybe we can get like 160 170. Um, so, like, you know, I actually... I do like over... The price for me is just a little bit... A little bit concerning considering the other guys is going around. For me, it's more about... <laughs> Miss, Mitch Keller is not an ace, people. Like, please do not think you are getting an ace um, at a discount. Uh, Mitch well, is, with
0: us. Yeah, Feels, Mitch Keller for, is still Mitch drafting. Keller.
1: Like, yes, amazing first half. And then atrocious dog shit second half. Like, so... Uh, and you'll be getting starts like that off and on throughout you know your time
0: next year if you draft. So, so they're going around each other, and not not to turn this into a whole detour about these pitchers, but Ober, you know, pick one fifty-ish, Keller one sixty-five-ish, so about a round apart. In between them is Rodon, Merrill Kelly, and Gavin Williams. Any of those three jump out to you as as way better than than either so. Ober or Keller?
1: If Rodon is healthy, he is well. If Rodon is healthy, yes. he's going.
0: 50 picks higher so I, I know we say this about a lot of guys so i want to be careful not to overuse this idea i do like to say this but um once he gets going in spring if 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 yeah. out there cooking he's going in the top 100 so easy, yeah. I, I guarantee it like yeah throw, I throw I will, a few good grapefruit starts and rotate yeah. i'll be part of it I love yeah, Rodon. I just want to see him pitch healthy, and I yeah, will he, also. He doesn't boost even him have. Up. He doesn't even have to pitch well necessarily. He just he just had to make his turns.
1: Like he, he if his velocity comes out, yep. and you're like, oh, oh, ninety six. Yeah, I'm taking Rodon on top line. Yeah, if it's they just, say he's
0: gonna go three innings and he goes three innings and he goes, five innings and he goes five innings and he goes five. You know, if he's meeting the targets that he's supposed to go, I don't even give a shit if he's giving up runs. If his Velo's yeah. there, his slider looks good, I'm in on Rodon. So yeah, I agree with you there. What about Gavin or um Gavin Williams or Merrill Kelly? Do you like them better than Ober or Keller? I think I
1: like them both better than Keller. Um, but Williams and Keller is kind of interesting because I think Williams is one of the, Williams is a very Keller-esque type guy. Like, hey, the stuff, like, man, but the control, the consistency, is scary, yeah. is scary yeah, and the consistency is a big deal. Um, I Kelly, I feel like, is a fantastic price. Like, I just I think he's been slapped on a little bit. So agreed. Um, but I think I take over over Williams for sure. Um but Kelly.
0: Ober v. Kelly for me is probably like where's my innings at? Because I think the expected innings would be higher for Kelly. Absolutely. Okay, Um, cool. I just want to see what you guys. I think I take Kelly just because
1: that defense behind Kelly is so good. And I think you'll get close to 200 innings. And um so I'd probably go Kelly, but I can I can see the argument for Ober.
0: Okay, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, and again, most of your point was against Keller. Um, I just took offense because I love Bailey Ober. Let's talk another pitcher who's quite a bit further down the rankings here at a pick 350. James Paxton signs with the Dodgers. We know it all comes down to health with him, right? That's covered in the price point. Um, he's another guy who could rise with with a, with a nice spring. I don't think he's going to rise too crazily. I think he would still be, uh, you know, perfectly buyable. Um, but what do you think of James Paxton? He's penciled in right now as their five, which, by the way, like does kind of expose that maybe their pitching is a little light for a team that we're already giving the title to, right? And I'm always nervous about giving a team the the title in the offseason, right? How many times have we seen that? blow up Mets fans um so you know I think they'll be fine I think the Dodgers are going to be a strong contender they're going to make the playoffs and we'll see what happens in October but as much as I root for Big Maple I understand the grave concerns about his health does LA have magic for Paxton as well are you excited by this you you moving on that 350 price point
1: no we do need to point out when we say like their their rotation is thin this this rotation that we've got posted over on Fangraphs one I don't think it's correct, uh, and two, um, you know, has Michael Grove, uh, Emmett Sheehan, yes, Kyle Hurt all, all, all in all against all the minors, right? Yes. So like, uh, and when I say I don't think it's correct is because I think they're running a six man rotation.
0: Um, they they've said that they're gonna yeah. be on a six man, and Bueller um, isn't necessarily gonna be ready right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah that. It's going to strengthen as the season goes, right? Yeah. And I think I made a comparison to them on a recent episode as like the the Spurs, like the old school Tim Duncan Spurs, where they're worried about just getting to the finish line. Mm-hmm. So they are going to massage their way through the six months. So don't freak out about it. Um, but yeah, on a sixth day, do you, do you like that for Paxton to maybe help keep him healthier and get to like a 130 inning total? Like where are you at on Paxton?
1: Yeah, I mean... I think this is like an amazing gamble uh, by the Dodgers, and I mm-hmm. and I tweeted out like it's even more amazing when you look at the deferrals and you realize he's getting one dollar a year for the next fourteen million years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like that, like I mean, again, just the Dodgers moving the system uh, to to their liking. Uh, yeah, he's gonna live
0: long enough to get all that money, man. <laughs> I mean, Paxton's
1: one of those guys, like, I don't know how many innings you can project from him, but I feel like mm. they're going to be good innings. And he's on the Dodgers where he's going to get wins. Um, like, this feels like, hey, we've got a month before Walker Bueller's back. If we can yeah. just get a really good month out of James Paxton, we'll be fine, right? And anything on top of that is cake. Uh, so... Like I, I think when Paxton's in there, he's gonna go five or six innings and pitch well and give the Dodgers an opportunity to win. Uh, and that's gonna guy one on my fantasy team in a fabric. Now in in a draft and hold, uh, I you know, if that's Ooh, what you're nice. drafting right now, I'm not probably taking James Paxton. But I am definitely once I start doing my, you know, my main event drafts, my uh, you know other you know leagues where I can drop a guy off my roster TGFBI um, perhaps TGFBI like yeah I'm going to take a shot of James Paxton because there's not a massive investment it's going to pick 348 right now so we know uh, that's going to go up though where do you think that goes up to with the Dodger tax I mean it may go up a little bit like maybe it jumps up you know probably it's past Manaya. uh Maybe the three twenty-five ish. Okay.
0: What if it goes? Uh, Let's let's get aggro. What if it goes to three hundred? Severino and Lance Lynn are right there. Slot him right in between those two. Severino, Paxton, Lynn. Where you at on that trio?
1: I think that's a fair spot for him. To be quite honest, Um, I mean, I still prefer Lynn to both of those guys, just because. We know you do. You're going to get innings. Like, I, I can't quit
0: him either, by the way. I'm not yeah. dogging you out. I love Lance, I <laughs> no sure matter am. how much he hurts me. Well, but, okay. I was
1: on a podcast and someone asked me about Lance and, like, are you back in on Lance Lynn? I said, yes, I am. Yeah. Do not follow my advice here. Though. Exactly. This is, I do enjoy this alone. Paying. Yeah. Uh, well, like, like, I shouldn't be. There's nothing in the profile that tells me, like, this is going to be turned around on. Uh, but, Except for batters are going to turn around on him and yank him <laughs> out of the goddamn yard, but I just can't give up a guy who I think can throw two hundred two hundred good innings, yeah. um, still in a great park with great defense by him. Uh, you know, so like, But yeah, th- that's a mistake. That being said, like
0: Pax and Severino are potentially huge mistakes too. They're uh, a righty lefty version of each other, right? Like yeah. the upside is rich, but the downside is massive. You could end up with 20 innings very easily.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean he may not make it out of spring training, to be quite honest. Uh, but if he does, I feel like whatever innings they do get are gonna be pretty decent. So I'm I'm probably if I if I had to like rank them, I'd probably go Lynn, Pax, and Severino.
0: That's fair. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And if, if the Dodgers have a fix for Paxton's home run situation, which they temporarily did for Lynn, and then it came back with with a vengeance, but if they can figure that out with Paxton, then, yeah, those can be some pretty solid innings there. Um, and, yeah, I think a 50-pick jump is probably the highest it would go. I'd be surprised if people are really going to get that fooled by Paxton beyond that. Uh, his issues are very well known. All right, let's talk some shortstops here. We should be able to get through a couple of tiers before you have to get to work. Um, let's start at the top. We got a king and a challenger. We got two first rounders here. Uh, the The throne has been overtaken. It is no longer Trey Turner at the top. Uh, it's Bobby Witt Jr. in the three spot. That's kind of where Drey, Trey Turner lived last year. Obviously, he had some struggles. Brilliant finish after the fans rallied around him. He's still going 12, so he's become the challenger now as far as challenger th- for the throne. Let's start with Bobby Witt Jr. Brilliant season, showed major improvement off the rookie year. It really looks like he's going to be generational. Are you in on that? You ready to pay pick three for Bobby Witt Jr. and his 30 50 potential? He went. He was a steal shy of that, and he tried to get there. He got caught 15 times. He wanted 30 50. But what do you think of Bobby Witt Jr.? Are you, are you ready for him to be a cornerstone, must-have, top-five type guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is why, like, I don't mind. Like, I either want the first pick or I want, like, the fifth or the sixth pick. Yeah. Um, because uh, I think there is Ronald Acuna, who is obviously the number one guy this year. And then the difference between Bobby Witt Jr., Julio Rodriguez... Uh, Corbin Carroll, Mookie Betts, and Spencer Strider, and I think you can throw Kyle Tucker and Fernando Agreed. Tatis into that conversation. Yep. And honestly, you could probably throw Soto and Freddie Freeman into that conversation as yep. well. Like the difference between two and ten, and Judge. Eh,
0: it, why, why not
1: the injury risk with Judge is is isn't it,
0: it just as severe with Tatis? I just uh, figure if you're throwing Tatis in there, you got you can throw Judge in there.
1: I don't know. I, I feel like a full season of Tatis last year makes me feel a lot better. He had a surgically repaired the shoulder, surgically repaired. He made it through entire uh, season um, healthy. Uh, I feel much better about Tatis than I do about Judge, who I just think has a body that isn't going to hold up. Uh,
0: Tatis longer. six years younger too, so that, yeah. that's fair. but you're you're saying it's a rich top half.
1: Honestly, we're gonna talk about the next guy too. Who I think deserves to be at the back end of that conversation. Yeah. Um, and Jose Ramirez, like, this is a great year to just like take the 15th pick or the, you know, 13th. Yeah. If you pick. can't
0: get Acuna, then yeah. just go down so you get a better second round pick because, yeah, yeah and there's so many guys I'm comfortable with um, in there. But okay. So with wit then. You're open to taking him, but you're obviously not. Uh, I have. I've, I've taken Witt at two. Okay. So you're, you're willing to yeah. take him as high as right after Acuna. Do we see more or is it just more of the same, which would be fine, by the way? Again, he was a steal shy of 3050 with a 276 average. He added 22 points to his batting average, cut down the walk, uh, excuse me, cut down the strikeout rate nicely, a nice little dip down to 17%, raised the walk rate, but it was only one point. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a double-digit walk rate guy, but I could see another point or two. And if he gets up to 8%, which is around league average, with a 16 17% K rate, I love that for Witt. Um, again, do you see more of the same, or do you see him getting the uh, 100 plateaus on the runs and ribbies, which he came just shy of last year? What, what's in store for Witt in year three?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, what, I mean, it's surprising because you think about a guy who, you know, like, I don't know that he was ever, like, expected to be, like, a, a big hit tool guy. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I think a lot of people are, were pleasantly surprised by the 276 batting average. Yeah. Uh, would it be more surprising to you that his XBA was 297? Um, dude, That Rockets could be a real
0: spot of growth that yeah. wit. If he went. If he starts putting up a 290-plus and just keeps doing the same with the counting categories – now you're talking about an Acuna challenger, because as much as I love Acuna, I don't think he's going to repeat. I think he's going to be amazing. I think he's yeah. totally the number one pick and got no issues with that. But we're not projecting him to repeat that historical year. Yeah. So then if you start boosting Witt's average, he's right there. And then it's outfield versus not, shortstop.
1: I want to be very clear. I'm not in my projection boosting his average.
0: I understand. Definitely understand. Not.
1: But I think he has upside in that batting average that, uh, we didn't expect to be there coming into last season, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we thought, like, oh, he could still base this. He can hit home runs. That's for sure. You know, hopefully the Royals is good enough around him where he could put up runs and RBIs um, at a producers rate. Uh, he did both those things, but he also showed, like, a better feel for hitting than I yeah. kind of expected. That so, really impressed me. Um, and I do want to point that out. And I think that, for me, is one of the reasons I am willing to take him in the top three uh because you get those stolen bases, you get that those home runs, and now you have a potential of uh not just having a decent batting average, but a batting average that doesn't hurt you at all. Like, I mean, the fear with me with Wit was like, yeah, you're gonna get all these counting categories, but you're also gonna, you know, he's probably gonna hit two thirty five or two forty. And like yeah. that that hurts when, you know, you're talking about seven hundred plate appearances or whatever. So uh but now I'm like, okay, I think the batting average floor is better than I originally gave it credit for. And I think there's some upside there. So um, and I think the Royals are getting good. Like, yeah, they're know, not, you've been on they're not the on Dodgers, you. but like, yeah, I think the Royals are getting good. So I do think hundred hundred uh with potential for more is 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 there. So yeah, I mean I'm I there is I have a lot of debate and I think it really changes from contest to contest, uh, which guy, if I am stuck at two, which guy I'm going to take. Uh, yeah. but, uh, and I, you know, I like think in my last draft, uh, I I've had two ones and three ones. Um, and in my three, I took Mookie Betts, um, uh, mm-hmm. but it was a gladiator and you, you can't make changes. Uh, in season. And for me, the batting average upside on Mookie Betts is, was really important in that format. Yeah, But in this last one, I had two and I took Bobby Witt Jr. Um, and it was because I, I go, listen, I can draft a little extra batting average later and kind of fill that uh, backfill
0: uh, that. And yeah, I think he's just going to be an absolute stud. Yeah, he, he's a monster. I love what Bobby Witt Jr. is able to do. Easy top five guy, I got no problems with him at two if that's your dude. Um, Trey Turner, I mentioned, you know, looked was looking like the classic first year struggles of mm-hmm. a gigantic contract, really classy stuff. And you rarely say this phrase, really classy stuff by the Philly fans, right? They have a reputation for quite the opposite, but they stepped up big. They said, listen, we got this guy for 13 years. We can go out there and boom and quote unquote, be justified by it because he has bad numbers, or we can be decent people and realize that obviously he knows he's sucking. Let's let him know we support him. And listen, I don't think that it, he only did well because they support him or whatever. I don't think Trey Turner is so fragile that he needs the, the fans to be behind him to succeed. But it was a really cool gesture. And that was a really great moment. And the turnaround was instant. And that's what makes it such a cool story. That night, I think he had a couple hits in a ribby yeah. and then just took off. Um, and was really Trey Turner down the stretch. Now, the funniest thing, or not the funniest, but like kind of the weirdest thing about that was, remember how amazing he was in the WBC? We Mm -hmm. thought Trey Turner's going to have the season. And it seemed like he used all his juice in the WBC, but he got his groove back, finished strong. Now he's down at 12 because of the depth of the first round. Is he a sneaky bargain in the late first round, Trey Turner? What do you think?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, like, as I was just saying, like, I think he belongs in this conversation uh, to be a guy who is the second overall pick. Like, mm-hmm. um, now I understand why he's not going there. He had a down season, but you look at what he did in the second half, man. 292, 348, 555, triple slash, 16 home runs, 11 stolen bases. Uh, dude was a beast. Like, he was just a beast in the second half. And he does something that, uh, a lot of these other guys either can't do or haven't done yet um which is 700 plate appearances yep like i mean Dude you get in
0: every yeah, day.
1: you get 700 plate appearances um from uh Trey turner and uh so for me like right now he's currently going off um at pick 12 uh, on average, with a, a mm-hmm. min of nine and a max of twenty, imagine being in a draft and he makes it to you at twenty. Uh, again, this is why I'm totally fine drafting us back in because there's going to be a guy that drops
0: in that second round more than likely. That Burns, shouldn't have. Burns Turner on the on the on the wheel there. I, I would I would be in heaven.
1: I mean, there's a there's a you know, there is a realistic opportunity for in certain drafts to be at like. 15 um and get Turner, Jose Ramirez, who were going like 2 3 last year. Like, that, that would uh, be unbelievable. I would do that in a second. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I mean, I you know, uh I'm definitely going to be looking at drafting uh at the back end of some drafts here. Um all right, so but that being said, like I think he should be going above Aaron Judge. I think he should probably go on, be going above Juan Soto and Freddie Freeman. And I think there is a real argument that he should be going above Tatis uh, uh, and maybe even Kyle Tucker. Uh, I think Trey Turner is being slept on. uh, And I think it's funny because until like like a year or two ago, like Trey Turner was the middle of the first round guy that that, like me and other people were going, I think he should be a top of the first round guy. And now he's back into the first round guy. And I'm like, I think should be a middle to top in <laughs> the first time yeah. kind of guy He's always up. just a little
0: bit slept on uh and i'm i'm here for it yep i, I can't agree more i'm not going to just reiterate that so we can move on because i love turner he's awesome Give me that discount it's you know it's hard to get a quote-unquote discount in the first round but some guys are just yeah. a little underpriced because it's a depth the first round and turner is that guy all right let's move on to the veteran studs here And we'll start with Corey Seager, whose ADP is about 20, Francisco Lindor at 26, and Bo Bichette at 38. Um, Seager, there was just some news about sports hernia surgery. Uh, It isn't expected to be a major issue. I think it could maybe yield a little pick, a couple pick discount because, you know, news like this, I wrote this in my um, shortstop rankings when I did the update. I said, you know, news like this often draws an overreaction because we're starved for information and and want to Mm -hmm. feel like things have impact so i was already taking seager at 20 with no issue if you start giving me at 25 26 27 of course i'm all over that i'm really not that worried about it i was already baking in you know about 145 140 game season anyway just because Corey seager generally misses sometimes so this doesn't move the needle for me on the negative side what about you are you are you worried about seager and the sports hernia surgery or are you taking him in the 20s it
1: definitely moves the needle for me um uh just because we don't really have a timetable um you know like the 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 rangers said they're hopeful he's ready for opening day which means he may not be ready for opening day which means he may actually miss in real time uh and i've seen some people speculate that he could miss the first month of the season um that would suck which yeah then you're talking about you're taking a guy at 20 who Definitely does not have 600 play appearances in him. And 600 play appearances was a risky proposition for a guy like Seeger. anyways, right? He's always just a little bit banged up. Um, Great when he's on the field. Um, So I am probably not taking him in the second round um, of a 15-team draft, but I'll take him in the very early third round, right? So you might
0: get him there. There is a data point here. It's an outlier. It's a very clear outlier, and we don't have a lot of data since this news came out. But he went forty three for C. I I would take that. <laughs> I would then take you, that all day.
1: Then you're talking about him going around guys like CJ Abrams. Who we're going to talk about mm-hmm. um, Bo Bichette, who are you know past Bo Bichette. Um, I think that like the thirty to thirty five range is probably where I'm at. Um okay.
0: that's not unfair. I think that's fine.
1: Cuz I honestly can make the argument, well, Bobochet's not as good, but Bobochet's going to get 600 plus play appearances. so maybe it evens out a little bit. I can't make a similar claim for CJ Abrams. Like CJ yeah. I love CJ Abrams. Like CJ Abrams was my dude last
0: yeah, year. Yeah, you're a but Abrams guy. Old.
1: He's being overdrafted right now. I think big time, and I can't imagine pushing uh, Corey Seager behind him.
0: Same, I just I'm not I'm not going to do that. Like yeah. Abrams could steal seventy realistically. Like that's uh, that's on the table. I don't give a shit. I'm taking Seager and the discount. So maybe this discount's gonna be bigger than I'm thinking, uh, because yeah, that news a little bit a little bit worse than uh, than what initially came out, where they were saying they weren't worried. But now if they're saying they might miss some time early on. Okay, well give me a, give me a round discount off of pick twenty. Give me thirty five. I'm in still.
1: I think this uh, is just a a really good example of how cognizant you need to be of your risk profile, right? Like yes, if you take Corey Seager, be more careful with the rest of your draft because you may be starting the year with an injury. You get hit with, a, like, I I think it was 2022 in my main event. Like, I got hit with, like, I didn't draft any injured players, but I got hit with a bunch of injuries early on. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, it was like, it started in April. Like, yes. and I, you know. Um, I had I, quickly, yeah, Had I drafted, like, a bunch of injured guys, like, I would have been in a lot of trouble. But I definitely had to drop one of those, like, dart throw guys
0: just so I could survive the month. Yeah, exactly. And that's, we talk about, you know, being careful with taking on too much risk. If see if you do take Seager, you should really lean towards stability with the rest yep. of those, those, you know, top eight to 10 picks of yours, the best you can, right. You can never guarantee anything. Like you said, in that 2022 draft, you thought you had safe guys. So that's why you really got to try to, uh, you know, avoid those guys that are already going to miss some time uh, because it piles up. Quickly. Francisco Lindor. I wrote this in my uh, in my shortstop rankings. I said, like, Can you have an underrated 30-30 season? And I was like, Insofar <laughs> as you can, Francisco Lindor did that because I feel like he he it's not really getting talked about. And he went 30-30 here. It's th- just kind of quietly with the Mets right like nothing seems to go quietly in New York and yet because they they flopped against expectations all of a sudden the second half of the Mets season was invisible and i think that that kind of pushed Lindor down he's still pick 26 he's not cheap or or you know going entirely too late but i think that's a really fair price for lindor at pick 26 i will gladly slot him in if i don't have an early shortstop because i think he's just going to kind of keep punching the clock on excellent seasons uh year in and year out where you at on lindor and his his relatively quiet 30 30 season
1: it's weird right like it's so weird like dude can go 30 30 and nobody's talking
0: about him no hype on him
1: um and I think it's an age thing. Like, I think it's like, I gotta be like a, like, Oh, look at all these young guys who, you know, went 25, 25, let's take them in ignore the 30, 30 guy. Cause he's 30. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, said. like I think he is kind of a steal at where it is, at his And not necessarily steal, but I think he is not, I think he's a little bit undervalued considering he is a known quantity, uh, a guy that even, I mean, we know he's got batting average upside too. Cause we've said we've seen, you know, 300, you know, it's been a little while since 300 season, but two seventy seasons and things like that kind of in the profile. Yep. And again, a plate appearance guy, like, I mean, 687 plate appearances last year, 706, uh, in 2022, like that's huge. Like he's just, he plays every day and he delivers all the
0: categories. Um, yeah, I I love Lindor. 31 for 35 on the bases too. He's just so steady and awesome. Mm -hmm. Love Lindor. Easy pick for me. If I do end up getting one of the um, earlier first round picks, come back around in the late second round and give me Francisco Lindor. Love that. Third rounder, Beau Bichette, like, like we said, Seager could be joining him right now. Seager's ADP is 20 versus Bichette's at 38, but with the injury news, Seager could be pushed closer. Bichette at 38, he's pissing me off, man. Like I, I can't figure him out with the speed component. Uh, I think I'm still very bitter that I I jumped off of him as a speed guy. I'm um, going into 21 because I was like, okay, maybe he isn't going to run like he did in the minors. And then he goes 25 for 26 and I look like a dumbass. I was like, okay, well now he's a speedy guy. Then he goes 13 for 21 the following year and just five for eight last year. So now coming into this year, it's built into the price because he's down to 38 but I'm putting him down for like, you know, low to mid twenties homers and eight to ten steals, which would be double of what he did last year. Uh, but that's the max I'm giving him. Uh, great batting average, strong runs and ribbies. But where are we at on Bobichet? Specifically, the speed. Are, are you out on it? Do you think he spikes another random season? What's going on with Bobichet?
1: I don't know what to make of the speed. I really so don't. Like, uh, I'll probably, I probably have his projection down for low double digits, right? Like 10. Um, but there's risk to that because, like you said, like that's twice what he did last year. Um, and it's not a matter. Um, I mean, I guess it is a little bit of a matter of efficiency. Like he was five for eight. like, But like it's really just a matter of like, he's just not running. Like, and I don't know if this is organization. It could be self-preservation. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Yeah, like self-preservation, I think, could definitely play into it. I feel like it's the organization. I feel like the organization is going. listen, you're not great at this. And we've got really good guys coming up behind you. Exactly. Um, Don't do that. Like, uh, because like self-preservation for a guy who had back to back 700 player seasons, like, like why, why are you? That's
0: true. He he is pretty, although he was hurt last year though. So, but, but that would. If I'm saying the self-preservation started in 2022, you're right. He's he's been a, yeah. a healthy stalwart. So Toronto saying, "Don't run us out of innings because we got Vlad yeah. Jr. and we got George Springer." Exactly. We, Listen, we you're, gonna, you're gonna
1: get around. We don't need you to get around that much faster. Like exactly. Uh, so I think, like he is in many ways like the opposite of uh, Cedar, right? Like he, is. A young dude with a really, really high floor. Um, but I don't think the ceiling is what we wish it was. Like, there was a moment and we in 2021 where we're like, oh, my God, Bo Bichette is a dude. going top gonna, five man. Yeah, he's going to be 30-30 at some point with, you know, premium batting average. You still get the premium batting average. Mm-hmm. You get contributions in every category. But it's not elite. Um, and I doubt I'll have much Bo Bichette this year but like, unless he falls in a draft, but like, there's nothing wrong with drafting him.
0: I agree. He's not really for me, but I don't look at anybody askance when they take Bichette and say, why did you pick that guy? Because even if you put him down for another five steals, you still get 20, like 24 homers, 90, 90 with a 290. Like that's still excellent. You can just get your speed elsewhere.
1: I just, to me, like, I'm so rarely like if I get to that point in the mid third round of the draft, and I go, oh okay, Bo Bichette sitting there, but I also see Jose Altuve. I'm gonna take the position that I think harder to fill later on okay. um, in second base. You know, um, I might take Randy Rosarena. Like you know, like I'm you know, I might take a starting pitcher or my first reliever or like I just think there are other guys there. At the spot that bobichette goes where i go this makes the rest of my draft a little bit easier and there are other guys at shortstop i really like
0: exactly and that's what we're going to get into when we when we really get into the meat of shortstop uh where are you at on time right now i know we're coming up on an hour do you have to get going because you know uh, we got we got these this little duo here of ellie and gunner who we no we've discussed. already discussed
1: we so, could do the new class because it's only, I mean, two of the four. I guess it's only two other guys. Yeah,
0: yeah. Let, okay. Let's talk let's to Abrams. All right, so real quick, though, do you have anything that you want to add to Ellie and Gunnar? We discussed both of them at third no. base. Okay, so I, we I move mean, on I, I from that. I think we've
1: discussed them. They're not going to be on my team this year, but yeah. I understand why they're going to be on other people's.
0: Especially Ellie. We've discussed him to death. Yeah. If you're taking him at 23, I'm sorry, you're doing it wrong. It's a terrible pick. It really isn't. It's not even that he can't deliver on that. It's that the risk for him to be the 23rd best player um, is <laughs> he could so absolutely, severe. He could absolutely be a top five player this year. But it's like a but 15% chance. You don't, like
1: this Max. is, this is one of the things, like you don't draft this early for the upside. All these exactly. guys can be like, it, you know, all the guys going in the top 30 could be a top 10 player next mm-hmm. year. That's why I'm they're there. You should be drafting the guy who is the who is most probable to stay there or go higher, right? Yes. Like, uh, you know, and when we're talking about a guy like Ellie and for me, Gunnar Henderson, I think falls a little bit in this as well. I think their floors are much lower than their ADP reflects, and big time. And that's why I won't be drafting uh, Ellie. Now, if you're in a 10 team or an 18 mixed league, I get it. Like I totally get it,
0: but I still think it's too risky because the replacement level will be so high that you can recover from it. But even still pick 23 for Ellie And like I said, during the third base preview, I want to be wrong. People can dunk all over me if he goes crazy because it's going to be so exciting to watch. Exactly. But you can't, you couldn't, you couldn't pay my main event entry with the caveat that I have to take Ellie. If you I'd buy my main event myself. entry for no, me, I, I won't do it. Though. I won't. I <laughs> wouldn't even want to. I can I, be bought. <laughs> yeah, J- Justin's for sale. I'm not. I would I would <laughs> rather just pay my own way and not take Ellie at pick 23. Alright, so let's do the new class real quick here because it, it, it is only two of these four that we have to deep dive because we talked Horner and McLean at second base. You can go to the second base preview for more information on them. But the new class here, CJ Abrams, pick forty nico horner at 62 matt mcclain 64 and o'neill cruz at 86 and i've been saying you know they're easy comps because they're both tall power speed studs why take ellie when you can take o'neill cruz at 40 picks later like that's that's the easiest thing for me but let's talk abrams first we hinted at him earlier he had that that great surge in the second half i think i i don't know what the hell is going on because the thing was, Justin, it was really just a ton of steals. He didn't hit that well during that run. <laughs> Why is he pick 40? And I ask you, because as you mentioned earlier, you're um, a big Abrams yeah, guy, guy like and you're that. not touching him here. So what's up with this Abrams stuff?
1: I think this has more to do with the makeup of this part of the draft. Like I don't think this is necessarily like a like it maybe maybe I'm wrong in other and There, I'm. I know I've already seen this, so I know this is this does play into it. People are projecting more. Like people are going, like people are going. Oh, former top prospect, he broke out last year. He's 23. There's another level. We already talked about this last episode with Jeremy Pena and other guys. Like sometimes this is the ceiling. Um, And I'm not saying that like CJ Abrams can't like repeat what he did in 2023 but like if you're taking a guy who has these type of plate skills and you're going i'm projecting more like where does the more come from because he exactly. doesn't walk um and the team around him is atrocious they just <laughs> find joey gallo to be that everyday player like hell yeah like, like he had 64 rbis i don't know that that's going up necessarily so like no. Uh, like, he's never going to be a batting average guy.
0: Um, well, unless so, he runs a hot Babbitt, but you can't project that. So your point yeah, is taken, yeah. but, like, he could get lucky and run, like, a 340 Babbitt for a full year. But you can't project that for Abrams right yeah, now.
1: Absolutely. Like I, like I mean, my projection on him is be, like, 250, which I'll take, like, because you're sure. getting 50 stolen bases probably, right? Um, and you're not getting nothing in the homers. Like I think teens home runs is what he's going to do.
0: Ribbies or SBs for Abrams? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be
1: close. (laughs) They're going to be really close. (laughs) Um, uh, That would be, man, I I know that like, that's a hard bet to find, but like, that'd be amazing. The odds on that would actually be worth taking a shot at. Um, So yeah, for me, I think this has a lot to do with, I think there is a soft part in the, uh, in the ADP where, you know, once you get past like pick 40, like all, like or the, the majority of the quote unquote elite starting pitchers are gone. You've already had like that first tier of RPs kind of go. Um, and there's a drop off, right? Like I love Altuve. I love, uh, uh, a Rosarena, I love Adolis Garcia, um, but like you, those aren't those aren't guys who uh, they're not like the fresh new face, and Abrams yeah. is, and so I do think so. I think Abrams is overrated. I do. Um, I don't think he's massively overrated, uh, but again, I think this is another situation we were just talking about with Eddie La Cruz. Is this does not reflect the downside of CJ Abrams because yes. you just said, well, what if he gets bad luck? What if he gets really bad Babbitt luck? Like exactly, and he's hitting two thirty you
0: know? with 12. Well,
1: 210, 38, like, Yeah, yeah. Like and yeah, you get you know eleven home runs and forty stolen bases, but not like worth it. that isn't worth it, especially when you're talking about a guy who probably isn't going to break seventy RBIs mm-hmm. and definitely and where's the runs
0: going to be? Exactly with that team. So. You, know, you heard it there, was, folks. I mean, again, you're one of the biggest Abrams guys out there. He and won so me a you bunch of money,
1: the, and I thank him for that. And I'm going to probably
0: I've already drafted him in a league because I got him at like pick 58 or 60. Okay, so that's perfect because that is his mint or his max right now since July for since January 1st. Excuse me, 38 drafts. If that was his ADP, how much different is the story? If it's a 20 pick dip. Cause you said he's not massively overrated that Abrams is overrated yeah. is 60 a, a fair price that if he was down there, you'd be more comfortable getting multiple shares or was that just to make sure that you got one ticket for a guy that you, No,
1: I, I, you know, it's funny because like, so in this tier that we're talking about right here, it's, it's Abrams at 40, Nico Horner at 62, Matt McLean at 64 and O'Neill Cruz at 86. Right. I think that um, Abrams, one, I don't think O'Neill Cruz belongs in this one um, uh, or in this tier necessarily. I know if we're just grouping guys together by kind of like what they do um, as opposed to exact price. But like, I think that the top three guys are actually a tier, um, an ADP tier where it should be Nico Horner, then Abrams, then Matt McClain. Like, I
0: think you should be getting Abrams at 63, um, not yeah. at 40, I, and I think all four should be in the 60s. I think O'Neill Cruz oh, will yeah. go up. Um, he'll be in oh, he, guy he, that's...
1: he may go up, but yeah. I don't think he belongs there.
0: Why not? I'm not even the biggest O'Neill Cruz guy, to be honest. But like, <laughs> if these three do, why doesn't he?
1: Uh, because the skills are scary, and now there's a health issue. Mm.
0: Wait, wait. What? What skills? The strikeouts?
1: Yeah, the strikeouts. This, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I mean,
0: it's Ellie. Yeah, it's Ellie Ask. Yeah. Um, we can't really say, oh, he struck out twenty percent in his forty plate appearances before he got hurt. Who gives a shit? He still had a thirteen percent swinging strike rate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, to me, he's, the, the he's one go that, up. Yeah. To me, the one
1: out of this foursome that we're talking about um, that is clearly not priced right it's Abrams. He should be going 25 picks later or so. Agreed. Uh, and yeah, so I'm probably, I mean, if he drops in a draft and like I was in a draft where he dropped, you know, I got him around pick 58. I was like, you know what, screw it. He's, my, he's been my dude. He, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to get at least one share. But, uh, and I think there is a world in which he does drop uh, a little bit as we start getting into these smart drafts, starting pitching tends to go up. Yep. So guys have to come down. I think Abrams could be one of those guys. Do I think he's going to have a 25 pick drop? Probably, probably not. Be, he's probably not going to be on a lot more of my teams.
0: Yeah, he's anchored too much in that range to drop that many picks, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I think he should just... And again, the presence of Horner here and at in the 60s is exactly why I'm not taking Abrams. I look at mm-hmm. those two and I'm saying, I'll rather have either of them 20 picks cheaper. Now, if you put all three together... I'm with you. Maybe Abrams is the guy. But yeah, I just can't at pick 40. O'Neal Cruz, okay, so you got some concerns there. I do feel weird being on the pro O'Neill Cruz side because I I still can't believe he's a top 100 pick. I thought for sure we would get him outside the top 100 after a washout year. But I guess everyone's saying, hey, it's an injury washout. Just re-rack and do what we did last year because I think this was around his ADP last year in the 80s. Um, I agree on some concern. I guess I'm juxtaposing it against the Abrams and Cruz picks and saying, well, or De Cruz, I should say, and saying, well, I'd rather just have O'Neal Cruz at pick 86 than either of those two. But that doesn't inherently make O'Neal Cruz's 86 pick yeah. correct. I, I, I understand that. Um, but, you know, the power and speed is there. I know the swing and miss is an issue, but um, I don't know. Who, who do you like? Who do you like that's going after him, uh, you know, more in, in terms of uh, I,
1: I think that I think that's the problem. I think that is one of the reasons driving O'Neal Cruz is, is I think there is a drop-off after O'Neal Cruz. Like, I yeah. think there, uh like, and if you don't yeah. really include Haseon Kim because he plays multiple positions, there's a chasm. Like, it yes. is
0: O'Neal Cruz and then a massive, massive jump. Pick one fourteen for Xander Bogarts is the next shortstop. Besides Kim, which again he's a different story because he's a triple eligible Swiss Army knife.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I oh no, is another one of these guys that's been one of my dudes. Right? I was gonna I've say yeah, you, you another, used to be the
0: one talking him. Yeah, up.
1: but like everything is price related, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, like I think it's really, really but this is important. the same
0: price as last year, and you liked him last year. I don't know so that you, I was drafting him at his house, actually. That's fair. But I do remember your, us being deba- debating him and, and yeah. me being more anti. You do mention uh, injury risk. How worried are you about the – it was a broken leg, if I recall, or yeah. ankle, one of the two. Uh, but lower half broken something or other. How concerned are you about that coming into this year for O'Neill Cruz?
1: I mean, I'm a little bit concerned just because there was a lot of talk like, oh, he's going to come back, he's going to come back, he's going come back, and then he never came back.
0: Yeah, so that's a bummer.
1: My my fears will be alleviated here in less than a month. I know. When all of a sudden we Those see words. him on the field like, you know, we see him start re- hey, O'Neal Cruz is reported and he's doing great. He looks fantastic. But then the price he has jumps no, he has no restrictions. I'm not going to be in on the price anyway. It's like the skill No, no I know. I'm I'm, I'm saying so like,
0: basically to your point. I'm oh, underscoring yeah. your point about being worried about him because Yeah, you're right. Other people are going to get excited too. And then he's going to be pick 70. So if you're not in 86, of course you're not going to be in at 70. What if, what if I'm wrong though? What if he doesn't jump and he does look good? Are you getting in at 86 at all? If O'Neill Cruz looks good in spring? Maybe.
1: Again, I think this is a soft part of the ADP. So I can, I can make the argument, especially like if I go pitcher heavy early, I don't think I will be this year uh, very often but if I go pitcher heavy early, then you need to load up on offense. Um, and you yeah, like he's a guy that could like really pop and be a dude this year. Yeah, uh, so I can make the argument. Um, yeah, probably not my preferred strategy. I think one starter early and then kind of wait a little bit is where I'm gonna be at. Uh, but I could definitely see um, a world in which uh, it, he would make sense if I knew he was healthy. I do think he he moves really up the ADP though once yeah. he, there's proven health. So yeah,
0: one hundred and ten mile an hour homer. Again, I know I use this a lot about the spring training thing, but it it's true. Like I, I'm not using it because I'm making it up. It's true. There's certain guys. People see him pop in spring. They get that confirmation that they're good. To, you know, they're good to go. Um, and then all hell breaks loose on the price point. And so yeah, O'Neill Cruz could be somebody who you know is pushing up into the seventies or even the sixties with a strong spring. So be careful there. Uh, but yeah, rich rich class here for shortstop, and we, we still got plenty more to talk about. Uh, I I think there are some cases to make to to wait a little bit too if you miss mm-hmm. out on some of these guys because we're gonna talk about a lot of fun players on Monday. So we will get to that. Uh, Justin, I hope you have a great weekend. Do you think just as a prediction? Do you think that Bellinger or Snell signs over the weekend, and we and we get to open the show with I that, do. or that maybe you get to talk about it on Sunday with Jason.
1: I do. I think one of these guys signs.
0: Okay, do you want to have um, a prediction of where or who, or just say that one signs?
1: I think the Yankees get freaked out
0: by this, uh, and they this go get move. Snell, and they go get Snell. Yeah. Okay, now that would be hot. Yeah, and we would be I, talking I, about it back to back. If it happens on Sunday and you and Jason get to talk about it, you know I. Or maybe Toronto too. Like that may, would be. Know, like, um,
1: yeah, if I they think, went big for him too. I think. Uh, I think maybe Toronto goes. Okay, well, listen, we're you know we missed out on our we missed out on Otani, but we can't fall behind, and yeah. now we're falling behind. So, um, you know,
0: or or we get a cease deal too.
1: Or maybe Tampa Bay goes out and signs Mike Clevenger.
0: Game change.
1: I just you know, they're not going to sign anybody big, so you like, had to throw. No, that is man, some shit that they would name.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, but um, um, all right. Well, we'll get back into shortstop. Breaking news um, though,
1: while we were recording, I don't know if what you, you saw this. No, Theo Epstein, the
0: Red Sox. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, he's going back to them in like an ownership type role. It's an advisory type role. Advisory type role, yeah. yeah. So, so that's um, that's interesting. You know, bringing back the guy, could they go out and make a big move? You know, they're not seen as one of the major contenders, but they got they're not bad either. right? like they're they're on the fringe of playoff contention. That what if they went out and made a Bellinger or a Snell move? I don't think Bellinger's a great fit. Yeah. I think their outfield is pretty full, but like they could certainly use Snell. I'm not saying that they're going there, but like what if what if John Henry opens up the pocketbook a little bit?
1: Or Jordan Montgomery, like I mean, like
0: that would be a really interesting fit.
1: I mean, I'm surprised that the Yankees haven't been after Jordan Montgomery at all. Like
0: they they raised him. Like why yeah, wouldn't they want to ben, come back in? Bring him. I love Jormont. I and, loved him and, as a Yankee. I, I and so Jordan
1: Montgomery's, him. I think, wife now it was fiance at the time, was doing like a three year like residency in New York. That's one of the reasons he didn't want to be
0: traded. That's right. uh, I remember when he got traded, he was bummed. So,
1: like, it actually would make some real sense, like, for them, like, for, like, he wants to be in New York, maybe, you know, you know, they must not want
0: him. Like, because I have not heard that rumor at all. Like, No, we haven't heard shit for rumors uh, on Jormon. And he's... Really good. So we'll see. Hopefully the hot stove. Hopefully this fires everything up. Let's get a cease trade. Let's get Snell signed. Let's get Belly signed. Let's get Monty. Let's have so much news on Monday that we have to push shortstops. That would please me. Not because I don't want to talk about shortstops, but be just stoked. because there'd be tons of news. That'd I'd be great. Stoked, yeah. I, right, Justin, I, I,
1: I would do. I would do a two-hour episode that day. I would I'm be like I'm you know what. I'm moving my chat to later and let, yeah. let's just, let's marathon this.
0: If if the news makes us go crazy, I would clear the schedule for yeah. it. Um, are you going with J- Jason on Sunday? Oh Yeah. Okay, great. So Sorry. enjoy that. Have a wonderful weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday.
1: Take it easy.